Um, Neil, can I invite you to the stage? And just want to pray for Neil, not because he needs it for any particular reason, but just because praying is good, and I love this brother dearly, and the wisdom that he is um, carrying of the Lord, and the insight into the scriptures. So let's just stretch out our hands. We thank you, Father, for uh, our brother Neil, and I pray, Father God, just would you anoint his tongue, and um, um, will you allow him to flow uh, through the preparatory notes in such a way, Father, that um, uh, like in the beginning of this service and during the service so far, you, you start to smile on him, upon him, and through him, start to shine your light through Neil into our hearts and into our minds. Father, help us to keep an open mind and an open heart, Father, so that you can come and renew our minds and you can come and rewire some of the things that needs to be rewired in our hearts and unlock in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Gerben. Morning, everybody. So, uh, Gerben opened the service by uh, reading from 1 Peter um, and the one of the verses he read says that those, should, those who speak should speak as if they're speaking the very words of God. Talk about, like, no pressure. I'll do my best, but I don't think I'll be every single word. The topic this morning, the title of my message is, Why Faith? Why Faith? Why did God choose that the way we come into right relationship with Him is through faith? Why Faith? And we're going to be spending some time in the book of Galatians, particularly chapter 3, this morning, so if you have a Bible or a device, it would be useful to open it there. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation just simply because it's different language. I'm not so familiar with it, and so maybe just to force us to look at it as with fresh eyes, as to read it as if for the first time. And my main text this morning is Galatians 3, verse 11. Paul writes to the Christians in Galatians, Galatia, sorry, and he says, So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say that it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Everyone has a code. Everyone has a set of rules or some principles that they choose to live by. I think that's a fair assumption to make. Everyone has a code. Our codes can change over time. I know mine did. Before I came to Christ, the, the rules which I lived by, the way I lived, was very much about trying to do everything right so that people would accept me. I didn't want to do anything wrong. I made sure I went to Sunday school every Sunday. In my case, it was quite easy because my mom was a Sunday school teacher, so Transport was arranged, but then, you know, you're the Sunday school teacher's kid, so you just got to sit still and sing the right songs, and when your friend's sitting next to you, pinching you, you pretend like nothing's happening, because you've got to do the right thing, because that's how you get accepted, and my code evolved and changed over the years, after, particularly after coming to faith in Christ, and I wonder what's your code, what are the set of rules or principles that you have chosen to live by? Now, if we consider the times in scriptures, the Jewish nation had a code. It was called the law of Moses. They lived by a very well-defined code. Uh, they believed for, they, they were probably, by the time that Jesus comes on the scene, I think it had moved from its intent, but by the time Jesus is on the scene, the Jewish nation had become expert rule keepers. 
Their code was strong. Their code was clear. They knew exactly what was expected from them. It was binding on everybody. I mean, after all, they'd got it from God. God gave it to Moses on Mount Sinai. Their code defined everything for them. It gave them their identity. It gave them their value. It told them who they were. In fact, they believed that God accepted them, and that's why he gave them the law. It defined the place and the space in which they lived, both individually. Their code was so powerful, it actually defined their culture. It defined who they were as a nation. And Jesus comes on the scene, and he fulfills all the requirements of this code, of the law. And people can start coming to faith in Christ, and they start believing in Christ. And as Peter and the apostles and Paul start teaching people, they start talking about how important faith is and that faith is the way that you get put in right relationship with God. And this was difficult for many people from a Jewish background because all they'd known was this code, was this law. This law was how you were right with God. This law, if you lived this way, if you obeyed it, this is how you were in right relationship with God. And so this transition from being law keepers, code keepers, to being just, uh, to relying on faith to be in a right relationship with God was a difficult transition for many believers, particularly from a Jewish background at that time. And it's into this space that Paul writes the book of Galatians. What had started happening is Paul went to outside the Jewish ter- uh, territories to the Gentiles, to the, Jew- uh, to the Greeks and to the Romans and people from other nations, and he started preaching the gospel, and many of them were coming to faith. And then what had started happening in other places, but in the Galatian churches in particular, is some believers, probably from a Jewish background as far as we can tell, would go to those churches and they would say, well, to be right with God, faith, just faith, isn't enough. It's faith plus the law. It's faith plus the set of rules that we've lived by. Faith plus the code of Moses. You have to do faith. That's important. We understand that. That's what Paul and them teach. But it's also these laws. And if you want to be right with God, you have to obey these laws as well. And Paul takes exception to this because he understands that the time of the law, the time of that code had ended. And that it's actually only faith that counts. It's into this space that he writes the, the book of Galatians for us. Basically, it's trying to answer the same question that the believers asked on the day that Peter preached his first sermon. What must we do? to be saved? What must we do to be in right relationship with God? And the book of Galatians speaks directly into that question. But why did God choose faith as a mechanism of salvation? Now, have you ever thought about it? I know we've been told it over and over. If you want to be in right relationship with God, it's about faith. You must have faith. But why faith? Why faith as the mechanism for salvation? Why not the Ten Commandments? After all, I mean, that's pretty direct from God. On stone tablets given to Moses, carried down through the traditions. Why not just, if you want to be right with God, obey these ten things, only ten. Why not just them? Because what thousands of years of Jewish history had taught us, over a thousand years of Jewish history had taught, is that even those people couldn't keep. At some stage, everybody would break those laws. Why not the Ten Commandments? Why did, why did God choose faith? Why not what some, believe, some faiths refer to as a noble eightfold path, a path that helps us eliminate desire. Why not 
overcoming the evil desires within us? Why didn't God say that that was what you must do? That when you overcome your bad desires, then you can be in right relationship with me. Why didn't God say just these five pillars, these five simple clear things? Confess this every day, pray this every day in this way, give to the poor and do a couple of other things. Why not just five things? I mean, after all, it's simple and it's clear. God didn't choose them. Why not intellectual prowess? Why not if you memorize the book of Leviticus, let's pick a nice one, or Psalm 119, why not if you can do that? Why why isn't that the mechanism? Why isn't it that if you're clever or if you know stuff, why isn't that the mechanism of salvation? Or perhaps some other form of eliteness. Maybe if if you run a marathon, then you can be right with God. And a lot of us are in trouble and others aren't in this case. Why not other mechanisms? Why faith? Why simply believing in who God is and what He said? Why just simply agreeing about what He says about us? And why just that we have to change our minds about how we're living? Why faith? And today, to probably oversimplify it a little bit, I believe the answer is quite simple. I'm going to talk a little bit about that as we go. The answer is a simple And as complex as this, why faith? Because of who we are and because of who he is. That's why God chose faith. Because of who we are and because of who he is. Let's talk a little bit about who we are. And to do this, maybe it's good to start at the very beginning. Because as Julie Andrews says, the beginning is a very good place to start. Quoting musicals, haven't you? Lucky impressed them. Okay. We're not going to turn to Genesis, but the book of Genesis clearly teaches us our beginning story, clearly says about who we are. It says we are the apex of creation. God created everything we know and see, the entire universe, and on the sixth day, he created all the animals, and after that, he created man in his image and likeness. And after that, although everything was good when he created man, it was very good. Now God put us in charge of his creation as stewards, not as apex predators or apex abusers, just to keep everybody happy, all the environmentalists, okay? He put us in charge of creation as the apex stewards, people to look after the good that he had created and made. He made us in his image. That gives us identity. It tells us we are accepted, that we're loved more than we can imagine. Our value is rooted in being made in the image of God. The Psalms say it this way, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We received the stamp of approval from God saying, you are made very good. There's this wonder that is part of who we are. But Genesis also tells us that that's not the whole story. Because there was a point in history where we turned from God, where we disobeyed Him, where we turned to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, We turned away from him to self-sufficiency. We turned away from him to self-willed independence. And we became fallen. We are marred. We missed the mark of who God intended us to be and all that we could be. We continually missed the mark. We like to say we are fallen. We are broken. We are selfish. We are sinful. We are separated. In a word, we are separated from God. This is the truth of who we are. These two realities reflecting in each of our lives and through every life in history over time. 
This is illustrated for us in the Galatians experience. And if we go back to the beginning of chapter 3, these people have come to faith in Christ, but this wrestle about wanting to be self-willed, wanting to be the master of our own destinies and to be able to control things is a reality that they also experienced. Some people had come and taught them, you need the law as well. And some of them felt that this was good because it gave them a measure of control. Let's read together the first five verses in Galatians chapter 3. Paul starts, and we tend to read it very religiously, he starts by saying, you foolish Galatians. Okay, let's contextualize it a bit. That's a bit like someone coming to you and saying, hello, dummy. Okay. How could you be this stupid? Is where I'm paraphrasing Paul, but that's, that's what he meant. It's in the Greek. Okay. You foolish Galatians, how could you be so stupid? Who, in fact, this is so impossible to imagine. It's like someone has cast a spell on you, that you're behaving in one way after you've known something else. You'll see now. Paul says, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Christ, Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Now remember, this is before Instagram and the Jesus movie and, and all those things. Okay? Paul's basically saying, you were taught about Jesus really, really clearly. You know that this is about faith. So what's going on here? Let me ask you one question, Paul says to the Galatians. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses. Now, in the life experience of the Galatians, they were non-Jewish people. They'd never obeyed the law of Moses, yet they'd received the Holy Spirit. So what would their answer to that question have been? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Their answer would have had to be no. That was the truth of their experience. Of course not, Paul says. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. You had faith. How foolish can you be? He's really not impressed with them, okay? It's polite language in the translations, but he's not impressed. How foolish can you be that after starting new lives in the Spirit, you are now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Because they'd experienced some persecution for coming to Christ. Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? And the answer again would have been no. Of course not, Paul says. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. How did the Galatians come to be a people of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit came and lived in them? Their own experience was only one possible answer. It was because we had faith, because we believed. And now some people had come and told them, no, but it's faith plus these laws, and some of them had started drifting to that. And this is urgent for Paul, and that's why he's so strong. That's why he calls them foolish in this space. Now, perhaps because I'm talking about receiving the Spirit in this context in a charismatic community, uh, what Paul means here by receiving the Spirit is the, 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 the uh, process of salvation, where God by His Spirit comes and lives in us. This is not the baptism of the Spirit, as in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power to become witnesses, which we think is an additional empowering. This is about being born again. How did you start this new life in Christ? It was by faith. Everyone who comes to faith in Christ receives the Spirit. And yet even for the Galatians, they want to go back, such an interesting phrase, to their own human effort. 
Because that's what keeping laws is about. That's what following these external religious systems is about. It's about your own human effort. That's why the eightfold path and the five pillars of Islam and those things ultimately will never work or being intellectually superior or having some form of elitism because it's all about human effort. And that can never bring you into right relationship with God. You see, our sinful nature prefers self-sufficiency and self-effort. We want our own knowledge of good and evil. Even as redeemed people, as the Galatians were Christians, they still wanted to go back to the law. I think the NIV translates it this way. It says, after having begun in the spirit, why are you trying to go back to the law? And so if you're a believer this morning, faith isn't just about salvation. It's about how you live your whole life. Our text verse says that the righteous person has life by faith. Our whole lives are determined by this journey of faith. It isn't just something you do to get saved, to come into right standing with God. It's something that has to characterize your whole life. You don't begin in faith and then move back to the law and to the spirit. See, this is where, if you ask some people, perhaps at work or while you're on holiday, why do you think you would go to heaven when you die? It's a great question. It's really confrontational. Probably don't advise you to ask it within the first five minutes of knowing somebody. But why do you think you would go to heaven when you die? Often people will answer it by saying, well, I've been a good person. And then when you press on that and you go, well, what do you mean by saying you've been a good person? And people will answer it in different ways, but what they're really trying to say is, I've kept the rules. I mean, most people would say, I haven't killed anybody, haven't stolen, fewer and fewer people. But they would say that, you know, I've been kind, I've obeyed the road rules, maybe, since Gerben experienced that <laughs> this week. But they've been a good person, and, and however they define what means to be a good person will always be based on a set of rules. It will always be based on what they've regarded as their code or what's an acceptable code to live by. And what God says is, that's not the way you come into right relationship with me. Being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. Having faith, believing in God, is what gets you into heaven or into right relationship with God. So I said, why did God want faith? Because of who we are and because of who he is. We've looked a little bit, just some snapshot in Galatians about who we are. The Bible says much more about that. But let's talk a little bit now about who God is. We know from Scripture that God is love. He's holy. He's other. He's different from us. He's set apart. He's better. He's perfect. We know that he's our Savior. We know that he's all-wise, that he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. But there's something interesting in Galatians that becomes clear, that Paul highlights, and I, I want to phrase it this way, is that God always has a plan. God is a way maker. He makes a way. That's part of who God is. We see that really early in Genesis 3, after we've just sinned, after we've rejected him and turned away from him. Genesis 3.15, he says, I will make a way. God always has a plan, always had a plan for salvation. Before there was Moses, before there was the law or anything, God had a pattern of a way he wanted us to be unseparated, to be put back into right relationship with him. So the Galatians had had this experience. They'd come to faith. They'd received the Spirit by believing, 
not by obeying the law. The question our Paul tackles in the next few verses in Galatians from verse 6 to 9, and it won't come up on the screen, but I'll, I'll talk us through it. Galatians 3, 6 to 9, Paul tackles this question of, well, was this experience that the Galatians have, was that a godly pattern? If you want to put it this way, was it a biblical experience? Was it a pattern that God had said? And he starts in verse 6, and in the more literal translations it will say, consider Abraham. Think about Abraham, that's what Paul says, to these legalists who were trying to promote the law, to the Galatian Christians who'd come by faith and were wanting to add on the law. He says, you need to think about Abraham. So let's do that this morning as well. Let us consider Abraham. Now, if you were in Sunday school, you would know the story a little bit about Abraham. It seems actually the story starts with his father. God seems to have spoken to his father, and they moved from where they originally were, and they moved on a bit, but then they stopped. And when his father dies, God speaks to Abraham again, and he says, you need to leave this place, Ur of the Chaldees, and you need to go to a land that I'm sending you. You need to leave life as you know it, everything you're comfortable with, leave life as you know it, and follow me. And go where I said, and when you do that, I will give you a land, and you'll have people and descendants like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. God makes him a promise. But what distinguishes Abraham? Why does he become what we call the father of our faith? Why does God want us to consider Abraham? Why is Abraham so important in Paul's theology and in Paul's understanding of salvation? Because Abraham does one thing. He believes God. God says to him, get up and go. Leave life as you know it. And he says, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what you say. He responds to God because faith is when we respond to God. Galatians 3, 6-9 tells us two important things that God says to Abram. First one is in verse 6. It says that Abram believed God and God counted him as righteous. In other words, being in right relationship with him because of his faith. Abram believed God. And so faith here, before Moses, before there was ever a law, before Mount Sinai, before there were slaves in Egypt, God sets a pattern. That if you want to be in right relationship with me, you need to be like Abraham. Abraham sets the pattern. You believe me. If God speaks and he says, if you confess your sins, you change your mind, you repent about how you live, I will give you, I will cleanse your sins and I will give you life everlasting. Faith is when you say, well, God, I'm going to take you up on that offer. Faith is when you believe God. Believing was God's pattern for coming into right relationship with him. Sometimes we think, let me say it this way, God's way has always been faith. Sometimes we think Old Testament was about law and New Testament is about faith. It's not true. Faith was established as a pattern in Abraham. When the Israelites with Moses accepted the law, God had already saved them. He'd saved them from slavery in Egypt. They'd experienced salvation in that sense. And it's because they believed God that they accepted the law. You can read Exodus, you can read Deuteronomy, the whole books, just for fun. And you'll see that the clear pattern is the covenant is presented and they accept it because God initiated. They were responding to what God has done. They said, we accept the terms of this law, the terms of this covenant, because we believe in you. Faith has always been God's mechanism. Second thing that we also see in Galatians 3, 6 to 9 is that it was always God's plan that it wouldn't just be for Jewish people. It wouldn't just be for the blood descendants 
of Abraham, that God's intention was always that it would go to the Gentiles. Paul says it this way, all nations, Paul he quotes Genesis 15, he says, God's plan was that all nations would be blessed through Abraham because of who God is. His intention was never just one nation or the descendants of one person. Genesis 15 already, God is saying, all nations will be blessed because of Abraham. Why? Because he what? was a man of faith, because he believed what God told him to do. I wonder what it was like to be Abraham. You're living in a place that's relatively civilized from what we can tell from archaeology. Life is comfortable. It's really settled. And somehow you encounter God and he says, leave life as you know it and follow me. Now for Abraham that meant moving from place. But often God comes to us where we are in our families, in our workplaces, and he says to us, leave life as you know it. Leave life as you become comfortable with it and follow me. That's the journey of faith. So we consider Abraham. God's heart was always for the nations. An interesting exercise to do as we engage in Galatians 3 is to look at the scriptures where it says, depending on your translation, by faith or through faith. And as Paul goes through, we realize that we come to faith. We receive the Spirit of God by faith or through faith. Something else it says, in verse 14, if I can skip uh, to there in the text, is that, I'd like to read it, Galatians 3, 14. It says, through Christ Jesus, God blessed the Gentiles, because that's what he promised Abraham he would do, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. It's the same mechanism through which Abraham came to know God, the same mechanism through which the, Gentile, the Galatians sorry, received the Spirit of God through faith. That's the same mechanism that works for us. We receive the Spirit of God. We come into right relationship with God through faith. And that's when we receive the promise of the Spirit. Faith is believing who God is and what He wants to do. Now what Paul largely does in the rest of this chapter of Galatians, and we don't have time to do it all this morning, and never plan to do that anyway, is he makes this case about why is faith, the promise of God through Abraham, more important than the law? And he argues for it in various ways. He says, well, the promise was first. God spoke to Abraham before he spoke to Moses. And he defines and he explains, well, why did God give the law? And in essence, it was, to, it was like a supervisor, an intermediary, to hold us in place until faith came. The law was there for a season to hold, particularly the Jewish nation and others, in place until he came. Faith is the mechanism that God has chosen, always has been and always will be, because this is who God is. Galatians 3.13, if I can jump back there quickly, it says that Jesus took the penalty requirements of the law by becoming a curse for us. This is who God is. We have this propensity towards controlling things to human self-effort, to obeying rules and regulations because that's how we think we're going to be right with God. And we fail and we sin and we don't get it right. But because of who God is, he sends his son and he says Jesus takes on that penalty. He takes on that curse for us because that is who he is. He wants relationship. Let's go to the last paragraph in Galatians 3, verse 26 to 29, we see something else that happens through faith. 
something else that comes by faith. Not only do we enter right relationship with God, we gain status. Galatians 3, verse 26 to 29, reads as follows. It's Paul speaking to the Galatians, to Gentile Christians, to non-Jewish believers. He says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Faith makes us part of God's family. We can be called children of God because of faith. Paul goes on and he writes and he says, All have been united with Christ in baptism. We've symbolized our death and our resurrection. We have put on Christ. It's like putting on new clothes, the New Living Translation says. It says, There's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham, the children of faith. And then you are also heirs to God's promises to Abraham. They belong to you too. One of the interesting things that rule-keeping and legalism does is it alienates. The Jews had the law, and so they separated themselves from the other nations. This is what we sometimes do when we try to be good people. We set rules that we can keep, and then we judge other people by our rules. Codes and rules alienate. Faith unites. Faith brings people into being part of God's family. God wants family. God wants us to be children. And the way we come into being part of His family is through faith. In God's family, distinctions are removed, like Jew and Gentile. Nationalistic distinctions, ethnic distinctions are removed. Economic Socioeconomic distinctions like slave and free are removed. Gender distinctions are removed as an entry point into being a citizen in God's kingdom. There's no second-class children in the family of God. Everyone is a child of God. God wants relationship because that's what families are about. Families move beyond function and families move to relationship. God wants family and he wants relationship. So why faith? Because of who we are, but also because of who God is. A key part of who we are is that we need relationship. We were made, some people talk about a a vacuum in our heart, a missing element of our lives until we come into this relationship with God because he made us for him. And until we're in relationship with him, we will always feel empty, unsatisfied, and separated. When we are in relationship with God, Acceptance, identity, and belonging can be settled. We need relationship. That's who we are. God wants relationship because that's who he is. Love wants relationship. See, faith always has this relational or personal element in. Because if I'm going to believe in God, I have to believe who he is. It's a relational thing. Keeping laws, they could be written on a page as a list. There's no relationship needed to keep laws. You obey them or you don't. Faith is relational. Faith requires a journey because you have to keep responding to what God says. So let's go back to our text, Galatians 3, verse 11. What Paul writes and he says, it's clear that no matter what kind of rule keeping you are involved with, whether it's the Mosaic law, the rules defined by your culture, your own personal code, it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. By trying to keep rules, you cannot be made right with God. Because the scriptures say, and as modeled in the life of Abraham, 
and of thousands of people through the centuries, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Faith not only brings us into the family of God, it keeps us in the family of God. Faith, the journey of faith, is what keeps us having life. I started by saying one of the things I said was we all have a code. My code is that faith pleases God, not human effort, not rule-keeping. My code is to be a son of God. My code is that I'm part of God's family. My code is that I want to be a father-pleaser. I want to live by faith and not formula. So often when we've been in faith for a while, we figure out a little bit about how this Christian thing works, don't we? And the danger is that we become formulaic. It's one of the express dangers of something like the prosperity gospel. Because you start relying on formulas to get what you want with God. And your whole relationship with God becomes transactional, becomes formulaic, and not relational. Faith is about relationship and not formula. We sang earlier this morning that it's all about Him. That's what faith is. It really is all about Him. So God chose faith so that He could have an ongoing relationship with you. Will you choose faith? Not only for salvation, but as the code by which you live. Because without faith, it is impossible, the Scriptures say, to please God. We, are, we continually, like Abram, go, God, what are you saying? What are you challenging me about in the life as I know it, in the life that I've become comfortable with? And then I can cast out on the oceans. And I can cast out on the seas. And God can take me where my feet would never have wandered because he's called me and he's spoken. And we respond to him. So if you've been in faith for a while, you've been a Christian, you've believed God forever long, faith, not formula. Relationship, not regulation. Relationship, not rules. Because faith is how the righteous person has life. But perhaps you haven't been a Christian or you've never come to faith. You've thought it's about being a good person or obeying rules, like being in church every Sunday sorts you out with God. What must you believe? What are the elements of faith? Well, you need to believe that you have a sin problem. You are marred, fallen, broken, and separated from God, and you cannot keep the rules. The good news, gospel, is that Jesus sorted that out for you. He died on the cross and he paid any penalty due for your wrongdoing. You need to change the direction of your life. Literally, the word means change your mind, change your thinking. Repentance, if you've been in church for a while. You need to change the way you're living. You need to leave life as you know it and embrace life as God wants it. And then he will help you because his spirit will come and live in you. He'll help you become like him to live the life that he's always intended for you. We all need to know that we will give an account for how we've lived, if we've lived by faith or by regulation. And the wonderful thing is this is forever. This is life eternal, that you may know God and live with him. Won't you stand with me and let's pray. If you've never, as you're standing, come to a place of faith, after the service as it ends, a number of the pastors and elders will be here, perhaps some shepherds will be able to help us this morning, won't you come to one of us and say, I want to come to faith. I want to give up the rules. I want to give up my human self-effort. 
I want to give up on trying to get to God when I realize I'm actually accepted by Him already. Come to us and just say, I want to choose faith. And we're going to pray with you. Don't leave this morning. Don't walk out. Don't take the easy route. Come to the front afterwards, and we will pray for you, give you opportunity to become right with God, to enter a right relationship with God. But I'd like to pray for the rest of us. Father, thank you that it is faith that pleases you. And that we live, we find our life by living a life of faith. That faith that says, when you speak, I will respond. Where you lead, I will follow. Lord, I pray for each of us, even in this time and in the season, that there would be times of refreshing that come for us, that you would restore our souls, that we can hear your wonderful voice again, that we can see beyond the waves and the storms and the pressures of the day. And we can rise above because faith is about you. It's all about you and living for you and being like Abram and orientating our lives around you. So Lord, I pray for each one. I bless them in Jesus' name. I pray that the Spirit that lives in each of us, your Holy Spirit that lives in each of us, will empower us to live the life we can, the life that you have intended us to live where we can be witnesses, we can demonstrate the goodness of being in relationship with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. For those who are traveling and going on holiday, special mercy and protection on each one, Father, in Jesus' name. We go by faith, we live by faith, and we worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen.